I'm Michael Isikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. And a quick reminder that you can follow us at Pod. And by the way, if you've got any questions, thoughts, ideas you want to share, tweet right at us. Now let's get on with the show. As the coronavirus death toll continues to mount, so too does evidence that unscrupulous actors are peddling fake cures and pitching bogus business opportunities to an anxious public. One U.S. government agency, the Federal Trade Commission, is aggressively investigating these claims, sending out a blizzard of warnings to companies that are promoting them, and threatening legal action to shut the firms down. We'll talk to one of the FTC commissioners at the forefront of the coronavirus fraud battle, and we'll ask, among other questions, to what degree is the problem being fueled by dubious claims being made at President Trump's White House briefings on this episode of Skullduggery. Because people have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. I told the American people I did not trade arms for hostage. My heart and my best intentions still tell me that's true, but the facts and the evidence tell me it is not. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. There will be no lies. We will honor the American people with the truth and nothing else. I'm Michael Isikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. You know, I've been uh, looking forward to doing this interview with Noah Phillips, the FTC commissioner, who's been uh, going after the fraud claims, if for no other reason that uh, Phillips is a uh, Trump appointee. He's worked for... um, Senator John Cornyn on Capitol Hill before becoming FTC commissioner. And I would think that anybody aggressively investigating these fake cures would have quite a few problems with some of what we've been hearing from President Trump at the White House briefings. Yeah. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how he handles those questions, whether he tiptoes around them or not, because it seems to me that when you have a president that is up there on a regular basis kind of pitching questionable treatments to the American people, hydrochloroquine for one, but more recently, you know, the idea that uh, you can inject yourself with disinfectant as a potential treatment or that UV rays are going to kill the virus, that that sort of gives permission to a lot of other people to uh, do the same thing. So that's going to be interesting. I will point out, however, that may no longer be a platform for the uh, the doctor in chief, uh, President Trump, because uh, he got so much criticism for some of those comments that uh, he is now, for the last three days, not held them when he has been doing them, uh, you know, for weeks now, every single day without missing a day. Yeah, well, I'm sure that there's a uh, vast proportion of the American public that feels deprived uh, from. They're not getting the president's advice to um, inject disinfectant or uh, find some way to get ultraviolet light into their body. (laughs) But look, this is a serious issue. It's a real issue. Let's set Trump aside for the moment. Pandemics, crises like this 
bring out the best in people, as we've seen from the healthcare workers and first responders who are doing everything they can to keep people safe, but they also bring out the worst in folks, people who try to make money off the gullibility of the American public, and it's important to shine the light on that. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, bottom feeders. I mean, it is depressing. It, but before we move on, uh, speaking of shining the light, I did want to make one one other point about the president, which is that uh, this week marks the return of one of his, you know, I think kind of most disgusting tweets that he sometimes does, which is calling us and other reporters out there the enemy of the people. He tweeted today on Monday when we're recording this, fake news, enemy of the people. And I just wanted to point out one other story that may have been missed by some of our listeners, which is a, you know, a couple of days ago, the White House communications team tried to pressure a CNN reporter named Caitlin Collins, um, who was a regular in the briefing room, to move to the back of the room. The broadcast uh, reporters are always in the in the front. And um, she said no. The person whose seat she was supposed to exchange with, uh, who was in the back, refused to move also. They said, well, we'll get the Secret Service to make this happen, which in the end they didn't do. But it was kind of menacing and threatening. And to me, I don't know, there was something even more distasteful about that kind of conduct inside the White House than these tweets that the president uh, sends off on a regular basis. So I hope that's not a kind of a a turning point in the way uh, this White House uh, treats the press. Yeah. Now, I should point out that as you were speaking the president just tweeted that he is going to have a briefing today at 5.30. So the American public will not be deprived of uh, the president's uh, latest medical advice about uh, what to do about the uh, pandemic. Well, that is interesting, by the way, because they put out officially, the communications director officially put out the word earlier today there was going to be no briefing. So Trump, who sometimes has a hard time staying away from the spotlight and staying off the stage, clearly decided that uh, he was going to get back up on there. I hope you're not suggesting they can't get their act together because um, <laughs> that would be a serious charge against this White House. But before we um, go to Commissioner Phillips, you were mentioning the president's uh, incessant tweets, fake news, enemy of the people, about us in the media. There's actually one that caught my attention from today even better because he used a new phrase and this is in one of his tweets he says that there's never been in the history of our country a more vicious or hostile lamestream media than there is right now even in the midst of a national emergency comma the invisible enemy exclamation point so you know we've heard enemy of the people i hadn't heard us being called the invisible enemy wait isn't he is he referring to the press or is he referring to the virus well, it sounds to me <laughs> it's, you know, a, it's a little ambiguous talking about the lamestream media, but <laughs> with our president, who knows? Um, By the way, I think last thing we should say here, you were tweeting about this kind of hilariously over the weekend, which is uh, when he went off about the press, uh, you know, and their Nobel prizes. <laughs> Yeah, the Nobel Prizes. He, yeah. he wanted reporters he who've it. gotten their, quote, noble, N-O-B-L-E, prizes to return them. And I've never gotten a Nobel Prize. 
I've never gotten a Nobel Prize either. Of course, there aren't any for journalism that I'm aware of. So I, I don't know of any journalist who's gotten one for journalism. Well, yeah. I think you I think you should be seriously considered for the Nobel Peace Prize, Isakoff. I mean, <laughs> the Nobel you know. Peace Prize, right, <laughs> for my contribution to um, world peace. Anyway, let's uh, get on with the serious business at hand and uh, bring in Commissioner Phillips. We now have with us Noah Phillips, a commissioner of the Federal Trade Commission. Commissioner, welcome to Skullduggery. Dan, Mike, thank you so much for having me. It's a real honor to be here with each of you. So on Friday, the FTC warned 10 companies to stop making health claims about treating and preventing the coronavirus or pitching business opportunities amid the pandemic. Tell us about what you found there and what it may tell us more broadly about what's going on in terms of uh, people trying to use the uh, coronavirus pandemic for profit. Thanks for the question. And let me right off the bat give the caveat that someone in my position always has to, and that is that what I'm saying is my view and not necessarily the view of the commission or my fellow commissioners. What we did on Friday is just the latest step in our stepped-up efforts to protect the American public from fraud, we sent a number of warning letters to MLMs, that is multi-level marketers, letting them know that they might be violating the law with some of the claims that they're making. And the kinds of claims at issue here relate both to cures or treatments to coronavirus, that the products that they were selling would help American consumers get better, or what have you, or protect themselves against coronavirus, where there might not be any substantiation, or very likely isn't any substantiation for those claims, and also claims about the kinds of money that consumers could make by participating in those businesses. That's a kind of claim that we often police in the context of multi-level marketers. And what this tells us about what we are seeing right now and what we are likely to see continue going forward is that companies that make bogus claims, whether they be health claims or whether they be job opportunity claims, many other kinds of claims, are pivoting to the coronavirus. And they're sometimes stepping up their game in pushing out these scams and frauds to the American public, an American public that is increasingly nervous. They're nervous about the impact of coronavirus in terms of their health. They're nervous in terms of the economic trends that we're seeing. Right? I think last I read, approximately 20 million Americans newly out of work. A time period like this and circumstances like these, which thank God are rare, make a lot of people really concerned. And that opens an opportunity for people to take advantage of them in a way that's illegal. So this isn't the first round of letters that we've sent. Uh, we've sent a number. Um, but it's our hope that we can, by warning some of these companies about scams that they may be perpetrating, get the scams to stop, save people money, and maybe even protect them from putting their health at risk. Commissioner, um, tell us a little bit about the scope of this problem right now, because I think that uh, it's fairly common when there are 
disasters that scam artists come out and take advantage of, of unsuspecting people. But I get the sense that this is of a kind of a scope that in some ways we haven't seen before. How does the, the number of complaints, for example, at the FCC compare now to previous episodes? So you're absolutely right that whenever there is a disaster, you will see scams follow that disaster. And the shorthand we use for this is that scams follow the headlines, and now there are a lot of headlines. What we have seen since the beginning of the year in terms of coronavirus-related claims is pretty close to 30,000 reports of scams and frauds, reporting losses in excess of $20 million. And those are just the reports that come to the FTC. So to situate that in terms of what we've seen in the past, this is by multiples larger than the kinds of scams we normally see. And they run across the board. So there are, as I said before, health claims. There are business opportunity claims. One thing that we're very concerned about that we're seeing a lot of right now is people and companies basing scams off of the relief that a lot of American businesses and consumers are expecting to get from the government. So we went into court just a few days ago against a company in Rhode Island that claimed that it had an authorization from the Small Business Administration to make a loan through the program that everybody knows about through the CARES Act. And we expect to see and we have seen a lot of reports of people hearing from the government or entities purporting to be the government who really just want to take advantage of them. And that's a, that's a troubling thing. Commissioner, of course, one of the um, controversies in the wake of the pandemic is President Trump's uh, promotion of hydrochloroquine, which the FDA has warned against as a possible treatment for the virus. Have you seen instances where companies are promoting that anti-malarial drug for COVID-19? And if so, are you taking action against it? And thirdly, have you had any communications with the White House telling the president to uh, cut it out? We have seen companies out there making claims that their products in conjunction with either chloroquine or hydroxychloroquine have effects that will benefit people in light of coronavirus, whatever those effects they're claiming are. The broader point here, and I think this is really important, is that people should go to official sources, whether it is the Food and Drug Administration for health claims or the Internal Revenue Service, if you get a call telling you that in order to get your CARES Act stimulus check, you need to give your credit card number or your social security number. Go to these official sources. People can go to fdc.gov to get information that is credible. The government is not going to call you and ask for your information. Across the board, what we see is that any kind of announcement that people see, whether it's from officials or others, can be used as a basis for people who are dishonest to try to scam other Americans. And that's something we're really concerned about. Commissioner, let me just let me just follow up on that, because this is not really about scamming necessarily. But doesn't it make it harder to make that argument when you have a president of the United States musing publicly about whether you can inject disinfectants to treat COVID-19 or that, you know, UV rays will kill the virus. I mean, if the head of the federal government can peddle fake science, that would seem to encourage uh, others, wouldn't it? 
I can't speak to whether, you know, what any given person's comments have made, whether that has generated some additional level of scam. What we're looking at and what we're working on every day, not just as an agency alone, but with partners elsewhere in the federal government, like the FCC and the FDA, is to make sure that the people, the companies who are out there trying to fleece people of their money to push fake cures on them, that they are aware of the fact that they may be violating the law. And we're doing our best with the letters we talked about earlier and many other efforts to try to shut down those claims as quickly as possible. But just to follow up on my initial question, you've undoubtedly heard the comments from the official White House briefing in which hydrochloroquine has been promoted, which as well as disinfectant, uh, injecting disinfectants. When you hear that, do you, does the FTC reach out to somebody at the White House and tell them these are invalid claims and they are promoting potential scams and they should not be promoted from a official White House briefing? We're an independent agency, and so the work that we do is not done in conjunction with the White House. Our line has been and will continue to be that when it comes to evaluating a health claim, when it comes to evaluating whether someone is in fact the government trying to reach out to you, the best thing people can do is go to the official sources, You know, whether it's FDA.gov or IRS.gov or FTC.gov. You don't consider the White House an official source? I'm the White House is an official source. And with respect to what they say, I'll leave you guys to take it up with them. Um, I'm sure they do have resources for the public on whitehouse.gov. But in terms of, you know, does something help you with your medical condition? That's a great question for your doctor or for the official channels of medical information. Commissioner, given the volume of complaints and, and scams that are out there, and it sounds like the complaints only represent the you know tip of the iceberg, do you all have the, the resources to, to deal with this? I mean, people are being solicited on social media. You've got the dark web, obviously, um, robocalls. There are even stories about people just knocking on on people's doors to you know, sell fraudulent uh, test kits, for example. How do you keep up with it? It must be like drinking water from a fire hose. So there are a lot of scams out there, and I wish we could stop all of them. I wish we could stop all of them before they start. Uh, what we do in order to be as efficient as we can and to stop as many scams as we can is first, we work as well as we can with our partners at the federal level. I'll talk about that in a second. We work with partners at the state level uh, to try to shut down these claims. And so the letters you saw on Friday were from us. We sent letters jointly. We sent a number with the FDA to try to ward companies off of making bogus claims with respect to tests and cures and the like. We work, you mentioned robocalls, with the FCC to put voice over the internet providers on notice that they may be facilitating calls and that legal liability may attach um, and that the FCC may permit telecom companies from shutting down those lanes of telecommunication. I'm actually pleased to note that we've seen a decline in robocalls. And while some of that, without a doubt, is because it's harder for people to gather at call centers in India or Belarus or the like, some of it began before this. Um, and we do think our stepped-up enforcement on that has had an important effect. We're working with every partner we can find. And second, we're hoping that consumers also 
help to spot some of the bad things that we see and also help to report them. I was going to say uh, anything you can do to uh, cut down on robocalls will be uh, congratulate. You'll get congratulations from millions of Americans, uh, <laughs> including myself. Um, but on your warning letters, have you specifically sent any to companies promoting hydrochloroquine? I'd have to go back and check each letter. I'm fairly certain we have sent letters to companies that are promoting the efficacy of their product with hydrochloroquine, or it might have been chloroquine, I'm not sure. The scams we see that are tied to coronavirus and fears about infection by COVID-19 run the gamut, right? There are all sorts of claims um, and all sorts of products that people are hawking, and that they were hawking three months ago, but now are hawking as cures and so. Yeah, I'm looking uh, at one of your warning letters or a quote from one of your warning letters to a company called Zervita, a health and wellness company, which sent out a letter, want to join me in drinking zeal to combat the coronavirus. Contact me to learn how to be your own coronavirus superhero, exclamation point. Yeah, so this is really kind of scary stuff. It's not only scary stuff because we worry, as we always do in consumer protection, that People will be spending money and getting nothing for it. But it's scary in that people may have the confidence that they are treating themselves, right? That they may forego needed treatments or communications with their doctors. And what we're doing with these letters, um, and if companies don't comply, the letters are just the first stage, but we're letting these companies know that they may be violating the law. And the good thing is most companies stop when they get the letters. Unfortunately, not everybody does. And it's at that point where other measures like litigation become appropriate. Let me ask you a a personal question, because it must be enormously depressing at a time like this when, you know, you have almost a million cases of uh, COVID-19 in this country, you know, going on 60,000 deaths. People are living in fear. Our way of life has has changed. There's this enormous sense of insecurity and invulnerability. And yet, huge numbers of people are coming out to prey on, on these people at a time when we all should be coming together. So in um, processing these cases and seeing the all of the incoming, is there any one particular kind of scam that really has uh, troubled you and, and, and kind of depressed you? That's a great question. I think I would, I, I would, I would identify two. And let, let me begin by just echoing the sentiment that, you know, horrible as the pandemic is, horrible as the economic effects of the pandemic have been, uh, one of the silver linings on this very dark cloud is the level of social cohesion, right? I mean, people really as a society are coming and they're pitching in and they're sacrificing for the greater good. And that's wonderful. But yeah, there's this other part of it where these scammers come out. I think the two that hit me the hardest, just personally, is the people who prey on medical concerns, Right. Because, again, not only are they threatening people with the loss of money, but people may, in a way that is totally unjustified, neglect treatment or assume they have immunity or something like that, which can be really dangerous. And then the other thing is the government scams. People right now are many, you know, millions of Americans and and tens of thousands of small businesses are waiting for the government to help bail them out of a situation they didn't create. And the notion that people are intervening to try to take advantage of that 
is just, I mean, that's really sad to me. Can you tell us about a couple of these uh, very specific medical frauds that we're seeing a lot of? One of them is colloidal silver, which all sorts of people have been hawking that online. And and then I saw a reference to also something called Miracle Mineral Solution or MMS, which is apparently causes all sorts of severe side effects. Tell us about those. Yeah. And let me just add to your list, right? Essential oils is a phrase yeah. you'll hear too. The people hawking these products, that's not a new thing. And there are some people who really like a lot of these products, who experience benefits from them or enjoy and being involved in the communities where these products are talked about and sold. What you see right now is the same products with new claims. So being added to all of the claims that might have been made three months ago about, let's say, curing cancer, which, by the way, if it doesn't have a basis, is also illegal. Now you're seeing claims about the effect these products can have on keeping away coronavirus or maybe helping deal with the symptoms of coronavirus. The products aren't new. People have been talking about colloidal silver for, I think, decades And the same thing with essential oils. If you go into any kind of, not any, but many different stores, even drugstores, you'll see lots of these products. And there are a lot of claims, bogus claims that are made about these products all the time. That's something we've seen since the beginning of my tenure, but again, for decades before that. What's different now is two things. They're making these coronavirus claims. And like you noted, Americans are on edge. They're nervous. And to some extent, I fear they're more susceptible to these kinds of claims. As you mentioned, uh, the FTC is an independent agency, but how closely do you work with the FDA to determine whether a product being promoted is, in fact, a scam? And the Justice Department, which has its own task force to root out corona fraud. So we're working with all of our partners, including DOJ including FDA, including FCC, as I mentioned before, with those robocall-related letters that went out. This kind of crisis is an all-hands-on-deck situation. The public health situation is all-hands-on-deck for the people who have to deal with that. The economic consequences are part of the world. The scams and frauds is also a part where we're working with other agencies. So with FDA, we're trying to ward people off of making bogus health claims. With FCC, we're trying to deal with robocalls. And with justice, helping to deal with the criminal side of frauds, which is a really important side of all of this. What about cyber fraud? Because I I think I've read that uh, people will get emails from email addresses purporting to be the, you know, the WHO or the CDC, but, you know, you click on the link and it turns out it's a phishing campaign or, or they're planting malware. How big a problem is that? It's a big problem. I mean, speaking literally only for myself, I think I've gotten maybe five or six malware-related texts in the last two days. Uh, that's not <laughs> normal. Oh, yeah. Um, and Well, you're being targeted, no doubt, right? That, that doesn't, unfortunately, whether it's robocalls, although those are thankfully going down, whether it's robocalls or uh, spear phishing, which is what we call that, um, no American is immune to this sort of thing. Um, and that's a really scary thing. I think the thing for your listeners to know is that, the first of all, they should be wary of emails that come from 
what purport to be government sources, they should also be wary of emails that seem odd that come from people they know. So let me give examples, two examples in particular. If you get an email from your boss that asks you to click on a link or buy them a gift card or an email from a leader of your church or synagogue or mosque or what have you that also asks you to do something that person doesn't normally do, especially if it includes some sort of hyperlink, that's probably a scam. Someone has probably compromised something that allows them to send an email that appears to be from someone you know and trust. So yeah, that's absolutely something we're concerned about. It's also, again, this environment we live in of uncertainty and concern provides an opportunity where especially a lot of people in America are doing things online that they weren't doing three months ago, right? We're living life online in a way that we haven't. And that opens up an opportunity for people to purport to be a trusted person um, and to introduce malware into a system, that kind of thing. You know, it strikes me that we're also living alone in ways that we never did before. You know, people are isolated. They're not interacting with other people nearly as much. And so information isn't being exchanged. And I wonder if that makes people more vulnerable because typically you hear from other people, hey, you know, if you get such and such a kind of uh, solicitation or link, it's fraudulent, you know, don't go for it. Yeah, that may very well be. Uh, it's certainly something about which I'm concerned. Well, Commissioner, this is uh, fascinating stuff. Uh, can we expect to be seeing more letters from the FTC and even possible cases that you bring against companies? Yes. I wish I could say our job is done, but that's certainly not the case. Uh, I think uh, there could very well be more letters. You should expect to see more litigation, as I mentioned, when companies continue to violate the law after having been warned. Uh, that's a time when we file a case. I think the important takeaway here is we are continuing very carefully um, and working with every partner we can find at the federal or state level uh, to try to find these bogus claims, these scams and frauds, and to stop them as quickly and efficiently as possible. Well, Commissioner, I want to thank you for taking the time. I think you're engaged in an endeavor that uh, no doubt would have near universal support from the American public. Nobody wants to be taken advantage of with these scams. So that um, is a, and I got to say, that's a rare thing for a government agency <laughs> these days. So you're, uh, <laughs> you're, you're sitting in a, in a pretty good spot there and we appreciate your, your vigilance. Well, thank you guys. And I really appreciate the opportunity to be here with you and to talk to, to your listeners. It's no secret that our world has been interrupted. World Interrupted is a daily podcast telling stories of coronavirus and its impact on the economy. We want to cover the issues in the macro, global economics, the stock market, and our political climate. But we'll also cover the micro stories, maybe the ones you don't hear as much about in the news or the media. We hope you'll listen and be a part of the journey. So subscribe today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks to FTC Commissioner Noah Phillips for joining us on Skullduggery. Don't forget to subscribe to Skullduggery on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And tell us what you think. Leave a review. The latest episode is also on SiriusXM on the weekend. Check it out on POTUS Channel 124 on Saturdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time with replays on Sundays at 1 a.m. and 3 p.m. Be sure to follow us on social media at Pod. We'll talk to you soon.